When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a Bravo podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. everyone. Welcome to episode 101 of Is This Real Life? I'd like to thank everyone for just all the kind comments on my 100th episode and also everyone's really kind comments about my grandfather who passed away last weekend. It's been a rough week, but we are getting by. And in Judaism, one of the things you do when someone dies is you have shiva. So you go to the mourner's house and you have services and you say mourner's prayers. And then you eat and you chit chat and tell stories about the person who died. Well, because of COVID, we ended up doing it on Zoom. But I told a story that later on, kind of, I realized, reminded me of something one of the housewives would do. And I would like to know from you guys which housewife you think would do something like what my grandfather did. So a few years ago, he had gotten sick and ended up in the hospital. And there was an employee from the health department that was there and wanted to interview him because he spent time at an adult daycare and they wanted to see if there was something going around, a respiratory virus that was getting them all sick. And so kind of doing contact tracing. And so they're chit-chatting through a translator. My grandfather spoke Russian and asked him, okay, is there anything else? He said, well you know, there was a guy who who died last week. And the contact tracer said, oh, like, tell me more about that. And my grandfather, (laughs) through the translator, said, well, when he was alive, he was a son of a bitch. But when he died, people found nice things to say. (laughs) Just like, oh, which housewife do you think? Do you think would say that? I feel like it's one of the ladies on Potomac. I don't know if it's a Giselle or a Karen Huger. Would love to know your thoughts. Also, the countdown has officially begun to The Real Housewives of Potomac, which is airing on August 2nd. I cannot wait for these ladies to be back. I know everyone is building up season five, but I really think it is going to deliver. Before we get to this week's guest, last week on the podcast, Ryan Bailey was asking me what we should call people who listen to the show, Is This Real Life? And I heard from so many of you, and almost everyone said that we should be called the real lifers. And I think we need to add a question mark at the end of that. 
So it's like the real lifers. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of awkward, but I feel like it fits. And with everything going on in the world, I feel like so many of us throughout the day just look at our phones and ask ourselves, is this real life? And we are not even watching Bravo. Of course, there's still so much craziness that is happening on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and The Real Housewives of New York, and I'm so excited to chat about it this week with Brian J. Moylan, basically my writing hero. He is so funny. He does recaps on The Housewives and Vanderpump Rules and Summer House for Vulture.com. You have to check out these recaps. They are hilarious. He also ghost wrote Erica Jane's book, Pretty Little Mess, and so I'm sure you saw him a few seasons ago on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills when that was part of Erica's storyline, and he's currently working on a book about The Real Housewives, which we chat about a bit. As always, if you like the podcast, please go subscribe. Give me a five-star rating on iTunes. I love hearing from all of you. You can find me on social media on Instagram at ITRL underscore podcast and the same on Twitter and my personal Twitter. I'm on a lot. It's at Mandy Slutsker. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Brian Moylan. Hi, everyone. I am here with the incredible Brian J. Moylan, who does recaps on Vulture. He was the not-so-secret ghostwriter for Erica Jane's book, and he's currently writing a Housewives tell-all, kind of like deep dive into Housewives. Welcome so much to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. How is that Housewives book going? Housewives book is good. I wouldn't necessarily call it a tell-all. Okay. Um, because it's it's so hard because with like 15 years of Housewives gossip, it's like, how do you even get into like all of the stuff? Um, but um, it's going well. I turned in the first draft. I'm like working it out with the um, editors now and it's due to be published in fall of 2021. I cannot wait. I, I'm going to be like first in line for that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, so there's like the history of like uh, how it got started and then like the influences of like soap operas and reality television, the history of Bravo. And um, but then it goes really into behind the scenes of like how things get made and how the episodes get made and how much money the women make and where they're getting it from and how all the money works with Bravo and then I also talk a lot about like the um, fan communities that have sprung yes. up around it, like podcasters like yourself or people who sell merch on Etsy and, you know, things like that. And some of the crazy Facebook groups. I was going to say there's so many crazy Facebook groups. I remember yeah. a couple years ago when I first started this podcast, there was a girl who was traveling to New York and she matched with Tom on some dating app and was like, yeah. just for fun, just going to go for drinks at the Regency. And she ended up like recapping the whole thing on a Facebook group. And it just blew up. And he ended up contacting like her family and her parents and threatening legal action. And I just, I felt so bad for her, you know? Well, some of these groups are like crazy. And like one of them was called the Thunderdome and they 
got on Watch What Happens Live because they wanted to, so they were like calling Watch What Happens Live with fake questions and they were getting on the air and like grilling Kelly Dodd about some affair they thought she had and like, oh my yeah, God. it's just like crazy stuff. So I talk about that and like I talk about <laughs> BravoCon, which I went to. I went on vacation with Vicky. Um, oh yeah. So was it her cruise or her in Mexico? It was in Mexico, okay. and it was at, like, an all-inclusive resort in Mexico. I, I cannot imagine what that was like. Yeah, so I went on that, and it was um, crazy, but also awesome. And, like, I made some friends on it. Like, we were just talking about how the Housewives, like, brings all these people together. And it's like I made some friends on vacation with Vicky, and we, like, follow each other on social media, and we, like, chat. And one helped me with research for the book. And then we all met up again at BravoCon and like hung out. And yeah, it's just like so weird how this, this like love of this thing like brings people together. And I think that, you know, that's so much of a part of why people love it so much as well as the shows themselves. And so like the last chapter of my book is about like, why do we watch this show? And like, what is it? And you know, talking to academics and looking at studies of why people watch reality television and, you know, what does it fulfill in us that, you know, we're so obsessed with it. So, um, yeah, it's been really interesting to just like think about these things deeply where most of us just kind of like, you know, turn it on and watch the housewives. Like, oh, girl, so much drama. (laughs) I feel like so many people find the housewives, though, during like a deeply traumatic time in their lives. I mean, that was with me. Like I watched it always like for a long time, but it wasn't till my mom died and my house burned down within two weeks of each other. (laughs) It was like, oh, my God, only Bravo can like make me smile or make me laugh when all this other crap is happening. Yeah. And I, I found that to be true with a lot of people, like they were going through something. Yeah. Cause I, so I asked everybody, you know, that I talked to from housewives to, you know, fans, whatever, like how did the housewives first enter into your universe? And, you know, yeah, a lot of it was, is people like, Oh, I was going through a really hard time and I was watching a lot of TV and like the housewives is what helped me. Yeah. And, or it's just like, yeah, you're going through a divorce and you're like, this is all that I can handle right now (laughs) or we're all locked at home during a global pandemic and you're like thank god that we have new episodes of the real housewives so yeah exactly i have two questions for you just before we get into recapping can you explain the eileen davidson accord (laughs) yes okay (laughs) so the eileen davidson accord started when lisa rinna and eileen davidson started on the real housewives of beverly hills and i was like immediately I was like oh my god I love Lisa Rinna she's the best I was like oh I'm this Eileen Davidson she's so stupid she's so boring I don't like her why is she here please like get her out of here and you know and and so it's like the first episode of the new season I, I was always like oh here's the new girl and here's what I think about her but then Eileen I was like oh I hate her and so I was like writing the recaps like oh I hate her I hate her and then like slowly I was like wait I love Eileen. Like, I was wrong about her. Like, I have completely misjudged her. Like, she's actually a genius, and she's so cool, and she's the only person ever on The Real Housewives who accurately remembers exactly what was said, like, down to the word. And I have nothing but great respect for Eileen Davidson. And so I established what is the Eileen Davidson Accord, which is that 
every Real Housewife gets a five episode grace period where we just sort of like take her in and like get to know her a little bit and not jump to rush to judgment and be like, oh my God, I hate you or I love you. And so it gives everybody a little bit of breathing room before I officially say like, okay, you're, the, the window has passed and now I either <laughs> love you or I hate you. But you know, we, we do change our views on people, I think like season to season and like how they're like playing into the storylines and stuff. But I think that for the new women, we need to give them a bit of time to like find their place a little bit and see a little bit more of them than just being like, oh, you're dumb and I hate you. I love that. And yeah. just lastly, where do you get your inspiration for your descriptions of Raquel on your recaps of Vanderpump <laughs> Rules? <laughs> um, so I started this, I, I started it with, um, oh God, what's his name? Kristen Takeman's husband, Josh. Mm-hmm. And it was like every time, like he was just so fratty and like awful and like whatever. And so I would just think of him and I would think of like, what's the frattiest thing, like awful dude thing I could possibly think of. And then like add that and people are like, oh my God, I love that. So I just started doing it for like more and more people, usually people who aren't around a lot, um, like PK or Raquel, because they're really hard to think of and to get right. And um, yeah, and so it's like PKs are like body stuff, like things that are really like lumpy and gross. (laughs) And so I just think of like, what's really lumpy and gross and disgusting? And like, okay, that's like PK. And like Raquel's, it's like girly, sparkly, like basic LA girl Uh, Coachella flower crown you know kind of like silly like prince Disney princess kind of stuff like a single floaty in a pool (laughs) yeah like (laughs) I just think of like those things and like sometimes I have a little thing in my notes app where if I see something that's fitting to Raquel or PK or whomever I like write it down and then I like go back and think of it but I usually just kind of like come up with them on the fly and I just think and I'm like okay, like what, what is the thing going to be? And I just think about it, think about it, think about it. But it's usually something I like just saw or something, you know, it's like if I had just watched a movie and there's something in the movie and yeah. So it's usually like, and that's a lot of the things in the recaps is like the jokes are things that are like kind of happening in my life or I've been thinking about at the time or from a book I just read or a movie that I just saw or whatever. But yeah, so that's the kind of process. And sometimes people will Twitter them at me or they'll put them in the comments of the recaps and then I'm like, girl, I'm stealing that. And then I just take <laughs> Yes, <it. laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I love I your recaps. Good, good. So yeah. Awesome. Well, what did you think of this week's uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? <gasps> oh, we've been waiting. I mean... I have really complicated feelings about it, I think. Okay, let's Um, unpack them. So I think that, first of all, I agree with Brandy Glanville. Because say what you, as Kyle said on the episode, like Brandy is a lot of things, but she is not a liar. And I think that she reacts awfully to situations and is overly aggressive and mean and calls people names and drops the F-bomb, whatever. But she's never been wrong. And... And just because she reacts poorly doesn't mean we should disbelieve her. And so I believe that what she's saying is all true. Um, however, like, does it matter? 
And does it make me feel worse about Denise? Like, I don't think so. Like, if, and then if the women are like, oh, it's not that she had a fair war mad, she was talking shit about us behind our back. Like, which of these women doesn't talk shit about each other, like behind each other's backs, like either on the show or, you know, to their friends or their assistants or whatever. And so I think that, like, yeah, she, that probably all happened, but, you know, what's the deal? Okay. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. I always thought the issue was her talking crap about everyone and then acting. It's not that she acted. It was like she she puts on this whole facade of being like laid back and fun and chill. And then she's not. And the rest of them, especially Erica, like really own who they are and get very like Erica's like she can just call bullshit a mile away. And I think she has a very low tolerance for people putting on a facade. Just like, be yourself. We like yeah. you for who you are. Stop trying right. to be somebody else. It's like not helping you in any way. Yes. Agree. And I feel, I always say the same thing about Dorit. Like when Dorit is playing beer pong and like speaking Italian and just being cool, I'm like, I like you. When she's like, I only have $90,000 or mez plates. I'm like, fuck you. Like, cause it's just so fake. And, but, but here's, it's like, I understand why Dorit does that. It's like, she is trying to project this idea of herself being like more wealthy and more glamorous than she might actually be. And like that fits in with the show, but like, I don't understand why Denise would pretend to like these women when she actually hates them. Like if she actually hates Kyle or Teddy or whatever, like the fans seem to be on her side in this argument. Like, why couldn't she just be like, yeah, I don't like Kyle. She treats me like crap or Teddy is a fucking shit stirrer and I don't like her. So I I don't sit like, I, I can understand why she might be putting up this, facade and that's what annoys people but I also don't see why she would do that yeah all of this is very valid um (laughs) right (laughs) so the episode starts with them still at the black and white party which I feel like has been going on for multiple that's that's so classic Beverly Hills to have like one thing go on forever and ever (laughs) and ever (laughs) yes I mean but we got to see Wilson Phillips which like yes any classic why is not one member of wilson phillips on the show that's a very good question i've wondered like are they going to get more singers or other types of performers other than like actors you know yeah i would love well, it I, I will say this that this is a little tidbit from the book is that i talked to a casting director who has worked on multiple of the franchises And she told me that, you know, fans are always like, oh, cast Heather Locklear, cast, um, uh, what's her name, who was married to Aaron before, Uh, Nicola Sheridan. Oh, yes. Like, you know, cast all these actresses, whatever. And she said, like, anyone who you can think of has been approached and either Bravo's decided they don't want them or these women don't want to be on the show. So I would have to assume that if they're a friend of Kyle's that somebody has asked Wilson Phillips to be on the show and either Bravo doesn't want them or they don't want to be on the show. Well, Chris Jenner was in this episode and we see her and Sutton chatting. And that was like, that's the, the twosome that I did not know I needed. 
And also, like, Sutton was like, oh, we met in line at the Met Ball. And I was like, fuck you, Sutton. <laughs> was oh, my amazing. God. I, Sutton, as if you're a friend of, you don't get the benefit of the Eileen Davidson Accord. So I was, okay. like, right out of the gate, like, Sutton, I do not like you. And I think I'm sticking pretty firm on that. She brings out such strong emotions. I feel like there's some people who totally stand her and love the chaotic energy she brings. But the way yeah. I've always thought of her is like, she's so juvenile, like trapped in an old woman's body. Yes. You know, it's very like 13 going on 30. Like she doesn't know how to approach a lot of situations. And she seems constantly shocked by people's reaction to her. Yes. And you think after all these years on this earth and her interacting with other humans that, that she would I, she would know like how people how to... perceive her, you know? Well, that and that dovetails into what I hate the most about Sutton, which is that she does not know how to buy clothes for her body. Like yes. she, like she picks the things that are going to look the absolute worst on her and wears them and they're so incredibly unflattering and I think she is a very attractive in shape woman, but she is doing herself no favors and like what she chooses to wear as opposed to like someone like Emily Simpson, who is, you know, larger than Sutton is, but looks amazing. Cause she just like knows how to shop for her body in a way that she always looks great. Yeah. I'm a big Emily Simpson fan. I big Emily Simpson fan too. It's so the hard part is when I find out that in real life these women kind of become conspiracy theorists or veer into sort of like the anti-vaxxer community and then I'm like no yeah. like <laughs> I expect you to vote for Trump but like can you at least vaccinate yeah. your kids? Like, <laughs> well, I, well that's what's so weird about this moment is like I could always be like you know what? I know they'll vote for Trump and you know, they don't talk about politics and I don't need them to. And, and you know, like try to keep those things like siloed. But now with the way things are going with the pandemic and Trump and black lives matter and like all that stuff, it's getting harder and harder for me to ignore that. Like, yeah. Like when Leah said on Real Housewives of New York, like, Oh, I bet Ramona's birthday party is going to look like a MAGA rally. She is not wrong. Well, we'll get to that in a minute, but Pamela, okay, I have it written down. One of Ramona's friends who was at the party, I can't remember what number friend she was. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Her name is, um, hold on, Pamela Rowland is Betsy DeVos's sister-in-law. Of course she is. (laughs) And it's like, I know a lot of people like to keep politics and housewives very separate, but I like, you know, we've lived in D.C. Like, it's kind of fun to see a bit of the mix up and to see like Camille last season talk about Kavanaugh. It's like, come on, I want to see these women's reactions to what's happening in the world around them. It doesn't have to be the main focus, but to pretend it doesn't exist is, you know. Well, and I wonder because... And this is getting back to the episode, I promise. <laughs> that, like, um, you, the, you see on this episode and last episode, the women really not forgiving Camille. Yeah. And housewives have forgiven each other for way worse shit. And so I wonder how much of it is, maybe not overtly, but maybe subliminally a political thing. Whereas I feel like most of the other women on the show have a more liberal bent. 
and they know her about Kavanaugh and whatever, and they're just like, you know, not only were you a dick to us, you're also like this gross Trump supporter. And so we like don't want you back at all. Well, I heard and granted, this is allegedly that right. she had made some really awful racial comments during the reunion last year and that they didn't air. And I'm trying to remember where I heard. I heard this from a number of people that it was like so awful about just I don't know how it would have come up especially because all the women on the show back then were white and I'm not sure what they were trying to get at, but that people were like, she said a lot of crap that people found deeply offensive. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. But again, this could have never happened. (laughs) Right. Or it could not. And and I will say, you know, the funny thing is that a a few editors um, and story producers who are kind of the people who work with the editors in like post-production told me is that, you know, they, people assume that the editors are making the women look bad. And they said, if anything, they're actually making these women look better because Bravo knows that we need to like them at the end of the day. And so they're kind of like cleaning stuff up that would make them like completely unlikable. Right. So then Brandy's at this party and she is so hammered and she grabs Denise's she slaps her ass she tells Aaron and Denise she wants to be in a thruple with them she sort of half-heartedly apologizes to Adrian for the surrogate comments she's all over the place the best part about that though is when she said you know I wasn't the one who wanted to bring it up which I think leads us to believe that Lisa Vanderpump told her to bring it up which I a hundred percent yeah. choose to believe <laughs> to be something that would have happened. I mean, I believe it. I feel like Lisa Vanderpump told her to bring the magazines, the tabloids. That I, I, I think LVP was self-producing just the way that she tries to do on Vanderpump Rules. And I don't think that makes her a terrible person. It's just who she is and what she did. Right. I, know? Do, I do think it's a little shady in that she then gets someone like Brandy to take the heat kind of for her and then Brandy's off the show in a few seasons and Lisa's continuing to count her coins of her slowly crumbling restaurant empire so and then didn't she sue Brandy oh I don't know if that is I think there was a major lawsuit and things that Brandy had said about LVP after Brandy was off the show and you know Brandy can't afford the same lawyers that LVP can and she can't afford the same like back and forth and you know, I, I think I think LVP is a very manipulative person. Absolutely. Absolutely. I tried to get Cedric to talk to me for the book. And he said, like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. But I was like, girl, I know you got the stories. I know you got the stories. <laughs> Give it up to me, Cedric. Um, so then we go to the Shoe Dazzle event where Erica... And I love how she reflects on how far she's come and acknowledges that her marriage to Tom has helped kind of catapult her into the business ventures that she would not have had access to. Absolutely. And, and I think that that is also true of the show, like, and that the show has given her a huge boost. And I think she's really used it to do great things like write a wonderful New York times bestselling book (laughs) called pretty mess now available on paperback on Amazon. (laughs) I saw Erica in concert at the Howard Theater um, about a year and a half ago, and she was incredible. I saw her 
in LA for the one they filmed. I was in LA and I was like, can I come? And she was like, of course. And she gave me VIP passes and I was up on the balcony with all the housewives. And then the next day I texted her. I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. The show was amazing. And she was like, why didn't you come backstage? And I was like, I could have come backstage, like where they were filming with all the housewives. Like nobody told me. (laughs) And I've shared this on the podcast before, but when I went, um, it was very exciting. Got to see Mikey doing some of the setup before. And then Karen Huger and Giselle from the Real Housewives of Potomac showed up. And of course, Karen Huger goes backstage to hang out with Erica, even though they don't know each other. Right. Right. And Giselle like didn't want to stay as long and she had driven herself in a mini Cooper and parked it right on 7th and you and Florida 7th and Florida (laughs) and I watched her walk to the mini Cooper and get inside and drive away and people were like where's Karen she's like oh Karen off being Karen (laughs) I was like oh my god this is incredible you guys are never in DC like seeing you know Erica Jane and like Real Houses of Potomac like oh it was magical Oh my God, that is a crossover. Like, why couldn't we have seen that on the show? Like, right? I want to see them go see Erica Jane. It was amazing. It wasn't for filming. It wasn't for anything. I think they just wanted to support her because she was in town. That's amazing. So. And when I was writing Erica's book, I was listening to a lot of her music. And there are some, like, legit jams. And oh. so I, like, knew all the songs. So I was, like, super <laughs> into it. And like, and it was so funny, like, you know how at the end of the year, like Spotify does, you're like, this is what you listen to this year. Yeah. It's like top five were all like Erica James. <laughs> I actually, I think I got one of her songs too, but it was mixed with like Hamilton and Fiddler on the Roof and Dr. Dre. And I was like, something is deeply wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is my brain. This is my brain on Housewives. Uh, what did you think of Rena's, uh, Re- Rena, Rena's wig? Is that a wig or is it an extension? So it's definitely a wig because she was wearing like the wig cap, like the hair cap yeah, yeah, for yeah. the wig beforehand. And then she said she felt in a previous life where she was always meant to be a drag queen. I feel like I like Rinna with her iconic hair. You know, she's okay. just a bitch with iconic hair. And I, you know, want her to stick with that. Like she doesn't look like Rinna without it. Right. And it kind of freaks me out. It's it like is... when Judge has the ponytail. Yeah, it is. It's just kind of unnerving. Hmm? You're not sure where to place her. And it does make her look so much smaller. Yes. And she's so tiny already. If she decided, like, I'm going to now have, like, this is going to be my real hair, I would support that. But just, like, fooling around in a wig, it feels like a costume or a disguise or something. And I don't like that. Well, we see the shoe cake and we've all become very accustomed to understand what fondant is now, now that there's like so many things on social media. It's oh like, my God. Oh, it's I, toilet paper. No, it's a cake. Exactly. <laughs> that cake found the right week to arrive in the world. Right? That was my first thought. And they, we find out they're going to Rome and, you know, we learn more about Dorit's incredible Italian skills. So I was impressed with her Italian and like yeah that I like that to read love it and explains PK a bit more how she had this like Italian lover who I think scorned her and left her heartbroken and then you know why she is the way she is with PK and you know I feel like when Dorit isn't involved in the drama 
I like her better. Like when she's like dealing with it, I'm like, oh, you're so stupid and annoying. But when she's just around, like when she went to Denise and was like, listen, you need to get Aaron out of this. Like you need to come back and talk to people. Like this is what you need to do. I thought that was really great. And I even, I am so loath to compliment PK, but when he tried to talk to Aaron and was like, dude, like, trust me, don't mess around. You know, I thought that was really good too. And I, oh, I don't want to be in the position where I like Dorit and PK. I like Dorit and PK and I'm going to come out and say it. And I was so, I hated them so much. I, less, I, less Dorit and much more PK that, yes. you know, there's, there's this Yiddish word um, that basically means a Jew who brings shame to the entire Jewish people. Okay. Um, Ashanda. And yeah. I, I always called PK Ashanda. I was like, I can't be associated with him. Like as a Jew, <laughs> this brings me pain. Right. Yeah. And he, <laughs> is he a Jew? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I'll believe it. Right. Sure. She's definitely Jewish. Her parents are from Israel. Yeah, are Israeli. So the kids are Jewish. So, you know, yeah. I'm I'm nearly certain of this. And it was very deeply painful to find this out. But then <laughs> when I see him giving Mauricio, also a Jew, one I'm very proud to associate with right. my people, um, I was like, oh, you know what? I I feel like he has learned something from his experiences. Yes. And right. And now knows like you're not on the show. This is not about you. Like take a back seat and let Dorit remodel a Buca de Peppo, which is my favorite <laughs> thing to ever happen on a housewife show ever. I'm, but with the Italian stuff going on, you know, it, like it all kind of comes together. Oh, my God. I know. I know. And ugh, and that's where Teddy's baby shower is. Oh, that's the one that they were talking about when everything got derailed with the Denise and Brandy of it all. Yeah. Okay, then we see my favorite scene I've seen in a long time, which is Sutton and Garcelle going to dinner. I mean... <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Erica putting her wig on the dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I love that because the dog broke the fourth wall. And yes. it's it's just... I'm a huge dog fan and Erica fan. But no, seeing Sutton and Garcelle, two humans who would never interact ever no. being forced to and Sutton kind of not being able to kind of physically remove herself or she's not clever enough to like change yes. the conversation to be so it's completely Garcelle in the driver's seat and she's asking yes. very pointed questions and Sutton is just like squirming um, but then Sutton mentions her kitchen like, yeah. the, you know, the back of her neck, the hair. And I was like, oh, girl. I know. Well, I was like, is this appreciation or appropriation? Uh, probably uh, a bit of both. Appreciation, yeah. <laughs> but no, you're totally right that, yeah, they would never be. But I think it's great in that Garcelle is getting her to address things that she probably should address. Like, where did her money come from? And who did she lose her virginity to? And there's no problem, like, talking about this. <laughs> In public, in you know, in public, and also you're on a reality show, and this is what you signed up for, Sutton. So, yeah. Oh, then we see a little bit of Amelia Gray and Alexia, um, Kyle's daughter, trying to help Amelia get an apartment, and it was just I didn't like this scene. It made me kind of uncomfortable, nope. especially yeah. with what came out this week with Amelia saying she doesn't want to film, and her mom makes her, and it's just yeah. awkward. And I'd rather not watch. Yeah. And well, I don't want to bring, 
you know, I try not to like pick on the kids unless they're of age and she is of age. So maybe I could pick on her, but also she's like mentally unwell, but she's on the show. Well, she's not mentally unwell, but like she's dealing with, uh, you know, anxiety and depression issues like many of us are. And yeah, so I don't really want to say that much about that, but I definitely have opinions (laughs) (laughs) that if you come to my house for dinner, I will tell you, but I'm not stupid enough to say on a podcast. And then we kind of get to the real big scene, which is Kyle and Teddy talking about Teddy's really boring baby shower. And then Kim stops by. And I wanted to know, because you in your recap this week kind of went through like the timeline. Do you think that this happened in order or do you think that they did a pickup scene afterwards to make the story flow? That's a good question. Um... Someone suggested on Twitter, and I would have to rewatch to see if this is true, that Teddy was doing a lot of hiding her stomach so that we couldn't see how far along she was. Um, And that might suggest that it happened later than it did. But who knows? Um, I would like to think they did not because they're talking about what's coming up on the trip. And then how would they know all that on the trip if that didn't happen before the trip? I think some people believe that there was a not shot scene of Brandy actually telling them, them going on the trip, all of it coming out, and then afterwards being like, well, we didn't catch it on camera, so we have to reshoot so that it flows. But I'm more of the mind of that it kind of happened in order, because I don't think Kyle's that great of an actress, and she looked shocked. Yes, I no, I 100% agree with that. And I think there were shenanigans. Like there was some machinations happening that we are, are not privy to. The, the best theory I can come up with is Kim and Brandy are actual friends and like post pictures of each other on Instagram, like hanging out, you know, not on camera. And that Brandy said something to Kim. Kim brought it to Kyle and said kind of like, oh my God, Brandy has something crazy and then they got the producers involved and then but Kyle didn't know what the crazy was until it was on camera. That because, makes more yeah, sense. Also that like Brandy, like, oh, oh, Brandy's out in the car. Should I have her come in? And Brandy's like done up and has a mic on. <laughs> you know? Right. And like, yeah. See, it all seemed contrived in a way like I'm cool with. But I think that we've gotten to a point in Housewives where they have been breaking the fourth wall so much. Like, just like let us know that that's like we'll like it more. The more yeah. authentic it is, the more we like it. Exactly. And like, don't, don't, and I know they do pickups in certain circumstances, but it's usually more of like when they have those phone calls with each other where the cameras are both there and they're like, Oh, I'm going to the dress to get a party or go to the <laughs> store to get a dress for the party or you know, whatever. And then less of like, okay, here's what we're going to do in this whole scene. Right. Um, No, totally. And can we talk for a moment? And I don't like to disparage people's looks, especially these women who are putting themselves all out there. But something is up with Brandy's confessional look. Like her eyes are going in the wrong direction and And they're like half closed. Well, her lip is always like, that's what I look like when I eat lobster. Um, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, what kind of Jew are you eating shellfish? First exactly. Of all? No, that's what my mom said. <laughs> exactly. That's, 
I had an allergic reaction. It was like, okay, she said that was God's way of telling me to keep kosher. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, do I need to go to the ER? So, but something is up with her face. It's like, she looks a little bit like Will Smith when he had the allergic reaction and Hitch. You know, like uh, it's like something is off or like, I imagine that's what my eyes look like when I'm stoned. Like they're not fully open and they kind of are going in directions, you know, unbeknownst to me. (laughs) But like, what is up with it? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I am with you. I try not to pick on the women's looks unless it's like something they chose. Like if it's a hairstyle or a wig or an outfit or like surgery they've done to their face. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And it looks so different from what, and it was obviously done in lockdown. So it's happened since like April or March. And that was in, uh, I think November, December. Yeah. And so it wasn't that many months ago. So I'm thinking she looks different as well, like in those scenes. And I'm thinking that maybe the difference is the lighting in the confessionals, like, because it's like a kind of home lighting scenario, like maybe it wasn't so great. And that's maybe. making the shadows and shapes of her face look crazier than they might be otherwise. Who knows? I mean, I but do appreciate it. Yeah. Sonia Morgan looks so fucking good. I in know. Her <gasps> looks. When she's wearing those pink earrings and that pink top. Oh my God. Yeah. So she, Brandy needs to call Sonia and be like, who's your doctor? Because well, that's Sonya what she needs. Sonia posted her doctor on Instagram the other day, and I started looking him up, and I was like, oh, that's a good guy to know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah, Brandy looks crazy. So, yeah, I think there were definitely some shenanigans, but you're right. Like, you know when you talk to a friend and they just like drop all the bombs on you and then they leave and you're there with your other friend and you're both just like, what just happened? I don't even know what to say. And you're like whispering about it. That was like Teddy and Kyle's reaction after that seemed 100% real. I thought so too. And I do feel like the insults that Brandy shared that Denise told her about them were spot on insults, right? Like. Like, Teddy, you know, will do anything to be part of this group because she's trying to get out of her dad's shadow. It's a mean thing to say. It's also probably true. Like, Erica being a cold-hearted bitch. Erica has talked about how that's her perception people have of her. Like, none of these things seem that off. And the detail with which Brandy goes into what happened, the podcast, the timing all works out. She was supposed to stay across the street. She didn't. Like... What I didn't yes. like is that she almost made it sound like it wasn't fully consensual, which yes, is not okay to say when she clearly did consent and now is regretting it. And so she's reframing it in a way that makes it seem like she wasn't on board. That yes, I don't think agreed. is cool. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, there wasn't a bed. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to sleep. Yeah. Like, no, you're right. It seemed. I did not. I also clocked that and agree with you. But now that I'm thinking about it, now that we're talking about it, I definitely believe the hookup stuff. And, and like, and you're right. Like she had all the details, the timeline, it makes sense like that. I totally believe the insult stuff. Maybe not so much because like you said, like 
I could say like, oh yeah, Erica's, she said Erica's a cold hearted bitch. And you know what I mean? It's like nothing you couldn't get from how they behave outside of the show. You know what I mean? That's true. I just don't know if Brandy's like clever enough to drum all this up. Agree. Agree. Like, I don't know. I feel like if it was a different housewife or someone who was like truly, I don't know. I feel like everything she's ever said that someone else has said has happened. So like, like, yeah. And, And that's the thing about Brandy is she's, like an unrestrained id, but in that way, like kids are like, they can't like lie or make things up because they don't have the facilities to be like a Lisa Vanderpump. Like, Oh, I'm going to pull all the strings. She's just like living her life out loud to our benefit. Yeah. It was also interesting. I feel like Kyle and Teddy were kind of trying to bring it out of Brandy by being like, who is we? Like when she said, you know, and saying, Oh, like and Brand- Brandy's like Denise and I, and she's like, like kiss, like, <laughs> like that was my favorite. Everything. No, like everything. <laughs> and then oh she's God. like, I mean, I'm bisexual, and the like, Kim's like, everyone knows it. Like she's so open about it, and they're both like, we didn't know that. <laughs> That's like they don't listen to her podcast because they have better things to do. Right. So yeah, the whole thing was interesting. I actually like Denise. For the show, I do feel like she's trying to rein things in because of whatever happened with Charlie Sheen suing her and stuff with kids in custody. Like that seems to be the why she's so upset about certain things being discussed. I also think she has terrible taste in sexual partners. Like Uh, the worst maybe we have ever seen. Yes. Like, yeah. And and that was my problem with her scene and I like Denise a lot too and I totally get her point in that she draws a distinction between things she says in front of her kids uh, even though she says them on camera being like private whereas I think the other women just see like everything that happens on camera is being public and so I think they don't understand that this distinct or they see this this distinction she's making is false and I don't think she sees that but um I think that I totally forgot where I was going with this <laughs> I mean well she has bad choices and partners that's oh. like the the key like yes the fact and, that Aaron is the best of all of them yeah and he and, like crushes but, her hand right and so I agree with Denise and I like Denise but in that conversation she had with Erica where she's like, oh, I, you know, I thought we didn't have a problem. And Erica kind of tried to say like, oh, well, the problem is now with Aaron. And like, I think Erica is right to say, you should not speak to us like that. Like the way he treated them is completely unacceptable, especially on their playing field. It's like he is coming in as a visitor and he needs to respect that. And so I think, um, but then Denise didn't want to discuss it and kind of shuts it down. And I think that's what the women are frustrated about is Denise is like, oh, I'm happy. I'll talk about it. But then she only wants to talk about it on her terms. And that's not really how the show works. It is interesting to see, and it will be interesting to see her and Lisa Rinna's like full fallout. Yes. Because that is a real friendship of two decades in the business and to, you think that like a show wouldn't tear people apart. I mean, her Rena and Eileen stayed very close. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and but so. But they were never at odds. And I think that that's what's interesting is Denise is accusing Lisa of selling her self, selling her out to make a good show and being kind of like the human toll of Lisa now kind of self-producing the show. And I find that to be fascinating, whether or not viewers will, I mean, TBD. I find it more fascinating than probably the Denise and Brandy stuff. Like watching these women's friendships is what is fascinating to me. Well, and that's what's interesting about the show is that all of the fights are becoming in one way or another about the show. Yeah. And like how people behave on it, how they're treating each other, how they're dealing with it. Like the whole thing with Ramona taking Sonia and Dorinda to Long Island to the party planners because she wanted to get him on camera so she could get her party for free. You know, it's like that kind of stuff I think is really interesting. And they try to insulate us from that. And, I, and I'm and i glad that they're slowly starting not to. Me too. Any other? Um, oh, I have a question for you. Yeah. This is my last question on, on Beverly Hills. And it is, um, do you think Denise continues into another season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? I think it depends on how much she can leverage because she is going in, like, she was able to basically make it so Brandy didn't go on the reunion. That yeah. came out this week. I think if she is like, hey, we're going to show A, B, and C and not D, E, and F, and that's the only way that I'm going to do this, and they say yes, I think she will do it. Um, I feel like if she feels ganged up on, if, I don't know, if she I also wonder how close her two older daughters are to turning 18 because I feel like so much that's hanging over her is her custody situation with Charlie and Eloise is 100% her custody. And so like once those daughters are 18, she doesn't need to worry about any sort of like legal action with Charlie Sheen and that frees her up a bit. Um, The oldest one, I believe, is now 16. Oh, yeah, because she just learned to drive. Yeah, and I looked it up because everyone was like, they were saying this in front of a 14-year-old. And I was like, that girl's not 14. She's older than that. Also, but, she didn't other ones seem 14? to mind hearing the no. conversation. And I don't know, like like Brandy said, their father is Charlie Sheen. But I also appreciate from Denise's standpoint that their father is Charlie Sheen. And yeah. she's trying to insulate them from so much already that, you know, this is just like one more thing in her view. And so she might be a little bit more uptight about this kind of stuff. And um, I, I feel I feel for that. I really totally was on her side in the beginning. Yes. Um, and then as it continued and Aaron was really involved, I kind of started to be like, you know what, Denise, like, stop bringing him around. Stop letting him talk to people this way. Yes. You know, like, yes. that's where you lose me. And just let it go. If you're so laid back and you're over it, then just let it go. Well, and then they all, if they bring Denise back, she needs an ally. So then they need to cast a Denise friend. Definitely. But Garcelle and Dorit are still on good terms with her. Interesting. So they've Interesting. all texted during quarantine. <laughs> I don't know how I know this. I know. I don't know how you know that either. I mean, I, I don't even know my own blood type. I can't remember. But yet... <laughs> Right. I know what Dorit is and Denise are doing. Um, how do you feel about Garcelle? So I want to see her on a second season where she is able to clear her schedule because I think Great. she signed up and had too many like contracts and like 
filming and other obligations that she couldn't be as full time as we want to see her and as she probably does want to be. So I feel like she deserves a second season and we should see her, but we also deserve her. And also they can't fire the black one. Right? (laughs) Oh, God. Not right now. I also just appreciate her honest energy because a lot of the women on Beverly Hills like talk around things and don't exactly say what they mean. Um, Even Denise, who says she's all open and honest, it's like Erica and Garcelle are the two who just say it like it is. Yeah. And it's refreshing well i think you do have this kind of like old school not necessarily alliance but like you know kyle erica Doree, lisa teddy like the ones who have been on the show for a while and they're have a whole like thing with them and it's hard for those outsiders to get in and i think that garcelle really pierces that and isn't afraid to be like no, you guys are wrong in the way you're treating Denise or you're doing, you know, whatever. And I think we need some of that to kind of balance out the whole. Yeah. What do you think of, of Garcelle on the show? I like Garcelle, but like if it were anyone, I like her a lot. And, but it's like, girl, like show up to something. Mm -hmm. I felt this way about Denise last season though. I felt like she missed a lot of things because I think she signed up kind of late. She signed her contract late and she had other obligations. And so I feel like Garcelle signed up to do this show when she already had movies and TV shows in the works. I feel like they, they should have like looked at her schedule and been like, maybe next year, but, um, but yeah, I'm glad she's there. I like her a lot, but yeah, most of, but also is the same thing with Denise last year is we liked her because most of what we saw of her was on her own. And so I'm curious once Garcelle gets into the dynamic and things start like popping off, like how she deals with all that and whether or not we like her as much as we do currently. Oh my God. The Eileen Davidson accord is going to last like three years. (laughs) (laughs) I also would love to see, because I think Garcelle is friendly with Cynthia Bailey. And Cynthia Bailey has been out in LA quarantined with Mike. For years, move Cynthia to Beverly Hills. Right? Yes. Oh my God. And how would they handle that much natural beauty? I don't know. (laughs) I do not know. Just, well, and I think it would be really interesting to have a show not with just like, it's different when you have a white show with a black lady on it as opposed to where she can only talk to white ladies as opposed to where there are, you, you then see black people interacting in a group, you know, in a group. Cause right now we really just have like all black or all white. And right. so I think it would be interesting to integrate more. And I think that Cynthia's energy would fit into Beverly Hills way better than it fits into Atlanta. hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad we solved it. Okay. <laughs> uh, apparently, I heard, allegedly, that Bravo is developing a show, like a standalone Cynthia and Mike show. Oh, okay. I mean, I'd watch it. I mean, I'd watch it too, but I don't know that they have enough to, like, carry a whole show. Probably not. They would have to bring in other people to make it interesting, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. also... I mean, with quarantine, like my standards for what I'm willing to watch have dropped so low 
them like <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh that sounds like a brilliant idea and it's like probably the worst I'm about to stream <laughs> like shit I'll go as deep as I need to I mean I'm literally watching Warrior Nun on Netflix right now <laughs> <laughs> yes I love it um okay let's dive into pivot to New York so yes. Oh my God. We kind of like, let's go like the ladies one by one and like all of their, you, you mentioned something a few weeks ago that really stuck with me, how you felt like these women are haunted and it's oh, just that's what I say all the time. Yes. Oh my God. And to see Sonia in that townhouse and what it does to her body and her mind, she's a different person when she is in that townhouse than when you take her and you bring her on vacation. You, she needs to sell that house. Like Get rid of that, it. her moving out of it was a big step, but she needs to sell it. She needs to sever all ties with that past life and finally move on. Why was she speaking at Wharton? I have no fucking idea. I'm like, going to find out more about this. I have a very good family friend who's currently in business school at Wharton. And I want to know. <laughs> he would have yes. no idea who she was, but. <laughs> Get to the bottom of it because like, well, no. The daughter is there, I believe. I think the daughter's at Penn. Yes. So the daughter's undergrad. at Penn. Yeah. Right. So that, okay. But still, like, like I said in my recap, the toaster oven was a business plan without a business. Like it never <laughs> happened. Like she's never done anything. And her Sonia by Sonia Morgan is some like weird dude in New Jersey who's just like selling her some Century 21. Like, Sonia has no, I love Sonia more than any other housewife, but like she has no business Acumen. at work. No, Do you none. remember like the first ever computers had screensavers that were flying toasters? Yes. I feel like that describes the essence of Sonia Tremont Morgan like, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> like up and down the screen. Um. And we find out that she got kicked out of a gay bar in Philadelphia. And they don't go into too many details about that, the way that I feel like they did when Kim got kicked out of a bar in yes. the Beverly Hills Hotel. Like, they are just slightly alluding to it. I did not read the Page Six story, but somebody on Twitter said that she was kicked out of the bar more for one of her compatriots' behavior than her own behavior. Okay. Okay. Which... Is a very different story than Sonia got so wasted she got kicked out of the gay bar. Exactly. um, um, Yeah. So. (sighs) Then we see Luann um, taking her stab at fixing criminal justice reform uh, by visiting Fortune Society. (laughs) God bless our Luann. I actually really did like this scene because I want to see more real people. Like, or them engaging yeah. with real people on the show, not as a main storyline, but like as a one-off, like what are they like when they're around actual normal humans that don't have yes. like massive personality disorder complexes and live in the Upper East Side? You know, like... yeah. My one problem with the scene, and again, I don't like politics to get into my housewives, but I can't resist that, this is that. Luann is in a room full of black and brown bodies, mostly talking about how she resisted arrest and, you know, hit a police officer in the head and said she wanted to kill him. And she ended up with probation and mandatory uh, AA. And, and alive. If any, yeah. And if 
Right. And if any of those people had behaved in a similar manner, they would still be in jail. They could have been shot. They could have been beaten. Like they would have been dealt a far worse blow than Luann was. And I was hoping for some sort of acknowledgement of like, of all of that. (laughs) I wonder Um, if, I feel like she gets it in a way. I feel like she doesn't get most things like in general, (laughs) Like she's very, I I think she's kind of all up in the clouds, but that I think she gets, and I would like to hear her verbalize it. Yeah. And, and, and put that in the, you know, even if it's in a confessional and be like, I know I'm so lucky that X, Y, Z. Speaking of her confessionals, did you notice that they either reframed it or zoomed in so that the head of her enormous Luann portrait is no longer like in the frame of her confessional? (laughs) (laughs) Which is like savage, but genius. Oh, Luann, Luann. Oh, God. And when she say, this happened to me for a reason, it made me rise. And I'm thinking these people who've been at Rikers for 30 years are like, I don't think this happened to me for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, oh, maybe now I could become a cabaret star. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. What if she did a cabaret show for them? With like like a prison talent show cabaret? (laughs) I mean... I would Sorry, rather see that than the actual Countess and Friends. <laughs> Imagine the way I'm trying to teach a bunch of people from the Fortune Society how to sing Money Can't Buy You Class. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think they'd have fun. They probably would. She like I don't think we'd see the irony in any of that, which would be hilarious. But yeah, whatever. Oh God. Then we see Ramona, Mario, and Avery at dinner, and I just oh. I don't know why they're not together. I, there is no one who I ship more than Mario and Ramona. Like those two belong together. They need to get it, get it, just get over it and get back together. Yeah. And it was so funny. Like, you know, Dorinda, we've had a couple scenes where she goes somewhere and she acts like she goes there all the time and they should know her order. And like, they never know who she is. I feel like, Ramona frequents places and they actually know who she is because when that waiter was saying like oh I remembered when you were born to Avery like your parents were out to dinner and your mom's water broke in the bathroom (laughs) I was like that might also be because I feel like Ramona Singer makes her presence known in all the restaurants and it's like this is how I want my pasta this is how I want my drink this is how I want my bread I want four rolls I want the butter on the left and so they definitely know who Ramona Singer is (laughs) she she makes her presence known. I want to make out with Mario so bad. He's oh my cute, god, huh? He's so hot still, and that's why they're not back together. Mario is in Florida, sleeping with everything that moves. Like he is the most eligible bachelor of wherever he lives, and he is just fucking just going to town. Well, you know the STI rates in Florida and people over sixty-five are like the highest growing in the entire community, like the entire U.S. I feel like Mario Singer is the Jon Snow's pump of the (laughs) Florida STI outbreak. Before this got got started, before we were taping, I was telling Brian Moylan about the Jon Snow pump in London and the first ever cholera outbreak that was documented by the first epidemiologist, Jon Snow. 
huge dork. But yes, I, I think we could probably like if you, you know, because epidemiologists actually track sexual networks when they're trying to do an outbreak. It's like, OK, who slept with who and like figuring out like clusters of infection right. for gonorrhea or what have you. And I feel like Mario's would be like <laughs> like trying to map that would be. I so badly <laughs> want you to do an epidemiology like sex chart of the like Harry Dubin Tom <gasps> like Upper yes. East Side Regency Nexus and like how all of those people are just like swapping it back and forth. Oh my God. I actually am going to start looking into that, what that would look like <laughs> if one of them had something. <laughs> Please let me know. Present your results to the Real Housewives Institute. We would like to look into this. Thank you. Um, well, I have some questions for you about Leah and her sister going to Spa 88. Sounds like you've been to a few gay sex parties there. Or oh, just one. More than a few. And a friend, of mine, <laughs> a friend of mine texted me last night when he was watching the episode when they were in the hot tub. And he was like, remember when I got pink eye from that hot tub? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, bitch, I do. I, actually, I forgot. But now I remember. <laughs> oh, my God. If you leave a gay sex party and, like, have pink eye, if that's the thing that you pick up, <laughs> that's amazing. I know, all things. <laughs> Oh, my God. I had so much fun at those parties. Oh, my God. It was so filthy. It looks like they have done some sort of refresh to the property since then. Thank God. But, um, oh, man, I had some wild times. I mean, it's just it's what do you think of Leah's sister? I think Leah's sister is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And um, I wish that she was like seven years older so she could be on the show. Yeah, I enjoy watching them. I, I thought it was funny. I didn't know their mom's name was Bunny until last Bunny night. Brian. And I have an aunt named Bunny. And I feel I like... An aunt Bunny. She was a lesbian. Oh, mine's not, but... <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but I feel like there's something about women named Bunny that, like, there's always these complicated relationships and they're always kind of in a web of complicated feelings. You know? Like Google from Sex and the City. Yep. Oh, all the bunnies. It's a bunny. Anyway. And so, <laughs> like, Leah wants to have... I, I thought when they showed the scene from last week that they didn't show this week, which was Ramona kind of talking to Leah and saying, like, if your mother yeah. died, you know, how would you feel? Like, would you feel like you said everything you needed to say? And, like, that's when my heart opens to Ramona. And I'm like, how is this happening? Like... But as a person who lost their mom, I'm like, this is what I would like to tell people. At the same time, everyone's par- like relationship with their mom is different. And so to kind of like project your own complicated stuff with your mom and your mom's death onto others is also not helpful. But I love that scene because Leah went from like, I need to be closer with my mother. And then her sister tells her one thing to going back to like hating her mother and being like, I'm never talking to her again. It was the span of like 30 seconds. And it was like, whoa, like this is not a relationship I want to get in the middle of. I felt like her sister could have handled that in a different way. Yes. And I think that, yeah. And I wonder how their relationship affects Leah's relationship, you know, because it seems like the sister has a much different relationship to the mom than Leah does and how that triangulation 
kind of works psychologically. It seems complicated, right? Because like, I yeah. think the sister chooses who to, she's like, oh, I'm on team Leah now and we're going to team up against mom. Oh, I'm on mom's team. Leah shouldn't be drinking. Like, right. I feel like she plays, she's a lot more, I think, conniving than she comes across. Are there more siblings? It doesn't sound like it, but you never know. Yeah. Like, I, I just found out that Britney more. Spears has a brother. And I did not know that until oh. today. Are you he... sure that's the brother and that's not? Oh, no, that's Jessica Simpson. I was going to make a joke about Jessica Simpson's dad <laughs> sleeping with young men. But <laughs> I got their father's confused. <laughs> I mean, kind of similar manager situations. Yeah. yeah. But I only knew about Jamie Lynn and then she has an actual brother who normally stays out of the spotlight, who finally spoke out about the conservatorship and a podcast that I have not listened to yet. Is he have... cute? Um, nowhere near the two sisters. No. Interesting. Okay. He also might be older than them. Not that hmm. that makes you not cute. As right, we've seen but... with Sonia Tremont Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh like cuter than all of us. Um, did you watch Ladies of London? I watched a few seasons of it. I don't know if I saw the whole thing. Oh, I saw the last few seasons. Caroline Stanberry has a new 25-year-old boyfriend who you definitely <gasps> need to look at. Does she still live in Dubai? <sighs> Unclear. Like, I think she's still, like, officially headquartered there, but is, like, kind of moving around. During Corona? Well, I don't think anymore, but I think she was, like you know, in London and here and there, but is like somewhere during Corona. I don't know. I don't pay too much attention unless there's like a 25 year old shirtless former soccer player. <laughs> and then I'm like, Oh wow. Caroline Sanberry. Remember her? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to see Leah's sister's husband. I Agreed. feel like that I may explain. I bet so too. Right. I, I feel like that may explain a little more. I want to know, is he like a Rob type? Is he like chill and laid back and like lets their lady shine? Or is he, I don't know. I'm yeah. clear. Um, yeah, I think she would be. Well, and it's weird this season on Real Housewives of New York in that it was better when Tinsley was around because Tinsley and Leah are like around the same age. And then all the other women are like 10 to 20 years older than them. And so it's weird that it's like Leah who's in her early 40s no she's 37 oh who's 37 and is hanging out with Ramona who's 63 like that's (laughs) like weird I know that's I mean when she at the party was like I still get my period or I'm the only one on my period and that has been a recurring theme on housewives when the younger women flaunt their fertility and make fun of the older women going through menopause. But and I remember feel like... when Ramona was 50 and had a quote-unquote pregnancy scare on a boat? Do you remember this? Yeah. The, uh, not possible. Like... No, I know, but it was amazing. <laughs> or like when Cynthia Bailey talked about maybe having kids with Mike Hill. Although I yeah. think she was being a little more tongue-in-cheek and you couldn't tell. I hope. But girl, Janet Jackson just had one at like 72. So I mean... <laughs> I'm not trying to judge. It's just like this whole, like, I also thought when Nini, when they were filming the reunion and Nini was like, I need to go change my tampon. It was like a flex of how she's still like young. It feels like this weird dynamic between the younger and the older housewives. And I don't like the flexing of the fertility. I also don't like on Atlanta how everyone had babies. 
Like, I feel like babies make people boring. And I was like, oh, get these babies fucking out of here. Yeah. But, I oh, mean, well. I don't mind when Portia is pregnant because she was still funny as hell. And also because Portia's the best. She's amazing. I obviously Ava. It, eh. And Candy wasn't actually pregnant. So no, no, she was not. So, I mean, that's good. I love a surrogate. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? But now Teddy is so boring. I mean, but she was before. I don't think anything changed. Yeah, I just think she's not in the mix as much because maybe now she's like tending to her. I feel children. like she's in the mix a little more because she's the one that's like sharing the shit with Rinna in the car. She's the yeah. one who keeps bringing up stuff. Yeah, well, I think she's about to get in the mix a lot more. Yeah. So we'll see. Someone better watch her blood pressure. <laughs> we can't Someone needs to do a study about like the difference between like Teresa had one or two on camera. Like, I want to know, like, if the stress of a Real Housewives pregnancy does anything to fuck up your babies. Well, there's actually been studies showing the effects of quarantine and coronavirus that are the opposite. It's actually because women are now more at home and not running around or at work. They're actually fewer, like, preterm births. Interesting. So, Interesting. And, and this isn't just in the U.S. This is worldwide. Got it. So, huh. like, now there's evidence, basically, to start maternity leave a few weeks early because it actually, being at home and not moving around too much makes you more likely to be able to keep the baby to full term. So basically what you're saying is women, housewives who are pregnant on the show are basically fucking up their kids. I, I think they could be. I mean, especially <laughs> once the kids are born and they have to see their parents on these shows. Right. <laughs> I always yeah. wonder, like, I try not to judge. I'm not a parent. But some of the things that they do, like when Denise, I think it's really naive to think your kids are never going to find out. Like right. who among us hasn't Googled their parents? And also, it's like, you don't want your kids to hear that, but also you'll let the kids be on the show. Right? There's, like, not the protection. Like, right. if Sonia's, like, not having her daughter on the show, she's not on the show, she's not watching the show, she's separate from the show, fine. Right. But having your yeah. kids on the show, like, wouldn't they want to watch their scenes? Yeah, I don't think anyone should have their kids on the show until they're of an age where they can make a reasonable judgment of whether or not they want to be on the show. I'm kind of obsessed with Dorit's kids though. I mean, they are pretty cute. They're so fucking cute. Jagger and I'm Phoenix. I'm obsessed with the Judices because I want to know the effects of like most of those girls don't remember life without cameras and like what that's going to do to them. Ooh, that's darker than it was <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, no, no. I, I wonder that too. Like, I feel like you could actually do a study of kids. Like, think of the Zolciak Behrman kids that were also born on camera. Like, yeah. what does this do to them later on? Yeah. Well, and look at what it's done to Brielle, which is not good things. Right. And the other one, I can't remember her name, Ariana? <laughs> the other one. That's right. <laughs> Lisa Rinna's younger daughter. The other one. <laughs> 
Oh, man. So the main thing that happens is Ramona has this party for 50 friends. And beforehand, Dorinda, Lee, and Elise hang out. And that is a group that seemed to have a good time together. Um, yeah. And Lee and Elise, I guess, are still, like, hanging out. They are. Which, I mean, Elise gets a second season because she's friends with Leah. I don't fucking know what I'll do. I feel like there's something that we... I want to know more about her still. I feel Elise? like, yeah... I don't know if I know, I want to know more about her life, but I want to know more about what she knows. Elise is not of this world. Like, she is of this world <laughs> in that she hangs out with these women, but she is not of, she is not a practitioner of the reality television arts and sciences. And so, Fair. like, yeah. Is, I don't, is Sutton a practitioner? I think Sutton could be an interesting victim of it, but I don't think she can be a practitioner. I don't think she's, like, she seems emotionally fragile in a weird way where I don't think she can deal with the like serve and volley of it. Like I think like, remember yeah. like when she, she like was or was not invited to Teddy's thing and she's like about to cry in the car because Teddy may or may not have invited her to something. It's like, girl, if, if she got Lucy, Lucy, apple goosey on you, you would like crumble. Right. So, yeah. I feel like you need to teach a course on the reality television arts and sciences <laughs> for real, like come up with a syllabus Oxford. I don't know. I think there's, I think there's I a lot there. Honorary degree in Jersey shore studies from when I presented a paper at the Jersey shore studies conference at the university of Chicago. Ooh, university of Chicago. Fancy. I know. Girl, don't miss the round. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, Sonia shows up with the tag still on her coat, um, <laughs> not in black, and Ramona no. ignores Leah at first. The best is the producers, the Chiron, where it's like Ramona's friend number two, Ramona's friend number 14, Ramona's friends like 30 through 36. Oh, savage, brilliant and savage. And then I love the one where it's like, shows the woman's name is like Sonia insists more her friend than Ramona's. Yes, that was the best, <laughs> but that was the whole fight. That was why she's... Sonia is not good at articulating herself. And yeah. that is very painful because I do think she is a pr practitioner of the reality television arts and sciences, but not being able to get your point across is, yes. is, is hard for me. She can't ever, she, she just gets upset and then she drinks and then she slurs her words and it doesn't come out in a way that's clear. And that's what I always say is that Sonia isn't delusional. She isn't crazy. She's just a really bad communicator. Yeah. Even when you think of the things like, oh, I have a shirt line with a Nigerian football team. It's like there's some grain of truth in all of that. But yes. like the way she's presenting it, you're like, um, you're fucking crazy. And, but she's and not crazy. No, she's not crazy. But, pe but she comes off that way because of, and I also think that because she's all like, woo, I'm this straw that stirs the drink, like people underestimate Sonia's uh, intelligence, at, you know, often to her detriment. And Sonia, or Dorinda's super worried about Sonia. And she Girl, finally- Dorinda needs to be worried about her own damn self. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering that. I think it's, Dorinda likes to be in that mothering role. Like she's kind yeah. of trying to be the fun, cool, like, I'm a cool mom to Leah instead of like mommy dearest like Ramona is like she's yeah. got like her two moms kind of fighting over her. Yeah. And totally. then uh, and um, so basically in the end they all get pretty drunk 
Leah doesn't seem as drunk and they are all dancing. Leah has a run in her stockings and Ramona is just losing her mind over how they're acting. She freaks out. She thinks they're dancing sexually. Leah does mention under her breath that one that Ramona's sister looks like Tanya Harding. (laughs) We cannot forget that that happened. Oh, my God. Ramona and her sister both look fucking good for their age. They look beautiful. Yeah, that those are some good genes. Avery Singer, you are one lucky lady. And then, you know, Sonia gets up on this ottoman and this mirrored serving tray and is like stomping and the mirrors breaking. And I keep thinking like seven years bad luck, seven years bad luck, like right, like <laughs> over and over. And then just Ramona loses her mind and freaks out, breaks the fourth wall, tells producer right. she wants to shut the whole thing down and it ends. And I just... I want to know what you think, though, about for next week when you you see Ramona saying, I found out she's bipolar and on medication and you can't mix alcohol with meds. It makes you irresponsible. Do you think she was talking about Leah and that's why she has such a strong reaction to Leah drinking? Yes. Okay. I think that. Yes, I think that is true. And I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know about all that. So I, I'm interested to see next week, like what happens with all that. But the craziest part of all of that was that she was mad at Leah for dancing sexually, but it's like, you're at a party full of women. Like who cares? Like right. what, what's good. Like, isn't that the point of having a party without men is that you can like do that shit and, and not, and be in a safe space. Like, why do you care? And it's like her 63rd birthday that she got mostly for free. You know, it's at some like badly lit part. Like, why does she care so much about how her party is going? And like, it was also fucking and like why she was treating it so seriously. It was so weird. I didn't get it at all. Do you think it's her social climbing? Like she cares more about these like Hamptons and New York Upper East Side friends. And like she thinks that they're high class and that these other women being drunk is like making her look like she's like like them. That may be true, but also like. I'm sure she's also happy to trade off of the show, you know, in terms of right. like getting access to things. And it's like, they're the show, not these other women. So I, I know this is sacrilegious, but I think this is Ramona's last season. I don't think it's sacrilegious. Every, all good things need to come to an end at some point. Yeah. And I think it's time for like, and she, she hasn't seemed in it the past few years. And I just think it's time to like, you know, I think let her retire with grace and show up to events and come to things housewife emeritus style. And um, yeah, I think do you think she could ever be a friend of where she goes on the trips and shows up to big parties, but that we don't follow her individual story? I mean, I would be very into that, particularly if Sonia is still a main cast member. Um, But I don't know that she would go for that fair so oh my god yeah we'll see I think it's just hard with like what happened with COVID and how all of the ladies except for Leah left New York City and yeah I know that part of having money is having a second home and being able to escape but to act like oh I'm part of New York and then right. not be there during its most like critical, difficult time to like cut and run. Yeah. If I were Leah, I would be like, F you all, none of you are true New Yorkers. 
Right. At least, you know, going to the Hamptons or going upstate is still in New York, I guess. Right. But, I mean, to see Ramona cut and run to Florida and then find like, out later during the worst of lockdown. that she had COVID and that Avery had COVID, like, oh, my God. It's just – and to just go maskless and hang out in the – she's, you know, and, and to know – I, they all have to have known someone who's died. Everyone in New York has known someone who has not just gotten sick, but died. So right. like, but I also feel like they might not have because the people that were mostly affected are like lower income people and people in Queens and Brooklyn uh, and, you know, kind of essential workers from poor neighborhoods. And so I don't maybe. know that those, those what I mean, unless one of their cleaning ladies got it. And I mean that, Sounds flippant, but I don't mean it to be. But like, you know, unless something like that happened, I don't know that they would have. It's just I feel like it's going to change the dynamic of the New York housewives more than the dynamics of the other cities because of just how intense it was in New York during that two month period where it was like getting to the point where like there were 2000 deaths a day. And I think that there are definitely political differences between Ramona and some of the other women in the way that there aren't political differences between the OC women or the Dallas women yeah. where they all like are going to fall on one side of the issue kind oh, of regardless. Though with the OC, you see Bronwyn falls in a very different camp than the rest of the ladies. Really? <gasps> Have you not been following? So first of all, there is a, I think it's Bravo by Bob or something, Instagram handle, where in his saved highlight stories, he goes into the FEC filings for mm-hmm. campaign donations for each of the Housewives franchises and any okay. sort of public comments that they have made. And uh, you see that Bronwyn and her husband both donated to Kamala Harris's campaign. And then Bronwyn has been at all the Black Lives Matter protests. She's been talking about the importance of masks. She's been raising money for various um, charities that kind of champion sort of Black Lives Matter and police brutality causes. Like she, this is like all that's been in her stories. Okay, respect. It's very different from the other people on the cast yeah so yes it will be interesting because i heard they just filmed a cast trip and two of the women decided not to travel due to covid interesting and i wonder if it'll be like a you know hunting yeah. beach like free us <laughs> like right. open the economy versus i don't know i don't know oh my god i'm really excited for the next season of oc without vicky and tamra me too. Vicky, or no, not Vicky. Tamra is my least favorite housewife ever. Interesting. I don't know why. I just can't get over the stuff that her daughter publicly said about her. Her daughter, who is so private, who only spoke out once in such a damning way because she thought that was the only way to get through to her mom. My least favorite housewife of all time is Tracy Giudice. Okay. That is, I get that. Yeah. Um, I, I get what you're saying about Tamara, but I think that she is an excellent practitioner of the reality television arts and sciences. Like I respect her craft more than I respect her as a person. <laughs> True. But I felt like in the more recent years, the craft hasn't been good. I don't disagree with you. Yeah. 
Well, Brian, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Oh my God, it was so much fun. Thank I you love chatting me. with you. Tell everyone where they can find your writing, their your book, social media. Um, you So I am currently recapping Real Housewives of New York and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for Vulture. And you can find them usually immediately after the episode airs on Bravo East Coast time. And um, you can find me on all social media platforms at Brian J. Moylan. And my grinder name is yes. Mustache Rides. <laughs> Feel free to send whatever you'd like. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening. You too. Take care. also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.